in today's show, we're recapping or finishing off our recap of the 2023 NBA draft, the Pacific Division, the Northwest Division. Scoot Henderson, we'll talk about that. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd. I'm the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble. On TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble. And on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's PrizePix.com and the promo code is LOCKEDON. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So, wrapping up our NBA Drive recaps... We've done four of the six divisions already. We did Victor Wembanyama and the Spurs and the Southwest Division and the Central Division yesterday. And today we're doing the Pacific Division and the Northwest Division, which does include, of course, old mate Sterling Henderson going up to Portland. Let's talk about it. Morning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Denver Nuggets, who made a concerted effort to get multiple picks in this draft, and they had a very clear strategy. I can sort of agree with some of the strategy. I don't think that going all in on that strategy was the best use of what they could do. And their strategy was, we are going for old college players with, I think, low upside who fit specific roles. Okay. I get that. I get where you are. You just won the title. I get that you had success with Christian Brown, who's not as old as any of these guys. Still like a a little bit younger compared to these players. I get that you are trying to maximize your title window. But as I've said many times, just because a player played four or five years in college, that doesn't mean they impact winning faster in the NBA. It doesn't. Most of the time, those guys are worse players. And the reason they didn't come into the NBA earlier is because they weren't good enough to do that. And the reason they were able to come into the, or they're getting drafted now, is because they were 23 years old playing against 18-year-olds in college, which is a big difference. I've got no problem with some of their picks. I just think as an overall strategy, just going exclusively for these guys who you claim, not claim, because I don't know what they claim, but the strategy seems obvious from the outside that they are trying to win now. I know they already won, so that did work, but they just would have taken some flyers on some other guys. You've got the ability to do that because there is no guarantee that some of these players, especially the guy they took with their second pick, is going to be anywhere near NBA ready. Honestly, I'm not sure that they are. But let's talk about what they did. They traded up to get Julian Strouder from Gonzaga. I had him 33 on my board. He went 29. Absolutely no problem with Strouder at all. I think he can be a very good shooter. He's an elite rebounder for his position. He can play the two, the three, maybe small ball four. Um, He can defend okay. I think he's a really strong option for them. I like that pick of Strouder. It does make sense. I don't know what's going to happen with Bruce Brown. And if Bruce Brown goes, Christian Brown steps up. But Strouder could get rotation minutes at some point. I think he's a useful player for them. I do. I really like what he can what he can bring. That rebounding, defense, and scoring is really good. And I had him at 33. There's no problem with that. I just didn't like the next two. They traded back in to get 32, early second round pick, and they took Jalen Pickett from Penn State. Now, he's not the Penn State player that I would have drafted. I had Seth Lundy ahead of him, and Lundy went 
15, 14 spots after this. Pickett is an interesting sort of point guardy player who's more of a post player. As a point guard, he played five years in college, including the first three at Siena. He played big minutes the last couple of years. He averaged 18 points, shot 38% from three. Um, good rebound, good assist numbers. But again, it's all coming as a... How old is he now? 23? Yeah, he's going to be 24, basically opening night. He's very old as a player. Not Nothing to say that he's a bad player, because yeah, he's fine. He's a draftable NBA player. I had him 57th. I think at that point, like, I think you just got to take other sort of guys. Like, where is pick? I know they had problems with backup point guards with Ishmith and then Bones Highland in and out of things and Richard Jackson not really making sense. But do you really think that Pickett's going to be reliable early on? Maybe he is. Maybe he is. And then at 37, another, again, trying to get extra picks in this range, they took Hunter Tyson, at who I had 54th. Now, Tyson's a different player. To Pickett, a different player to Strouder. And the shooting is really, I think it's going to be awesome. But another five-year college player. He shot 41% from three. He shot 35% from three the year before. Six attempts per game. Averaged 15 points in 35 minutes. I'm not really sure what else he will do. Defend, I don't know. Can he pass or move the ball? He averaged one assist per game. He averaged 0.8 assists per game through his college career. Yes, the first two years he barely played, but he also barely played as a freshman and sophomore. So the shooting is good, but that is strictly a role player. And again, you can say this team is ready to win now, but... Will someone like Hunter Tyson ever be an impactful player or a rotation player, let alone one right now? And the same with Pickett. I, I just, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. After Strouder and maybe even after Pickett, surely you take C.D. Sissoko or you would have taken Leonard Miller ahead of Jalen Pickett or you take Raya Rupert or you just take some guys who in three to four years' time, you hope, can become actual sixth men, seventh men, maybe starters. And Jokic is still going to be good there, like 30, 31. I, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get the overall, um, having your every pick and making, you're giving up future capital to get extra picks. And maybe some of that is to you know, keep yourselves cost controlled, lower contracts, I understand that. But I just, I think that it's a, a reach for Pickett and for Tyson. And just because you're old and have played five years in college, that doesn't mean you can step straight onto an NBA court and be ready to play. That's not how that works. There are two Exhibit 10 guys they've got at the moment. I didn't have ranked in my top 120. That's Aman Franklin and Andrew Funk. I had another Funk, but not Andrew Funk on my list. So he is uh, one of those guys I don't think we're going to need to pay huge amounts of attention to either of those players as we move forward. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy, but it's daily fantasy with individual player projections. It's not setting salary cap lineups. It's not trying to go up against thousands of people to get the pointy end, absolute best lineup. It's just individual stats. It's points, it's rebounds, it's threes, it's assists, it's steals, whatever. And you look at that number they project, you go, I think they're going to score more or they're going to go less than that. You do it for whatever sport. You put between two to six of those individual player projections into a lineup and you can win up to 25 times your entry fee back. Baseball running at the moment. You've got golf, NASCAR, cricket, whenever that's on. The Ashes. I'm sure you can do price picks for the Ashes, which is on at the moment. Tennis, uh, PGA, I've already said. MMA, boxing, and of course, disc golf. So download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100.
dollars. Uh, let's go to the next Northwest team. We're going to Minnesota, and I love what they did because I was very, very high on Leonard Miller. Now, the NBA teams seem to disagree with me, and I talked about what seemed to be a undervaluation of the G League in yesterday's show. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but Miller put up big numbers as an 18-year-old in a professional league, average 18 and 10. The shot, maybe it never comes around, but this is a guy that was a guard who's grown into a big body, which is always an interesting indicator for future success. Uh, he can handle a little bit. I think he can finish okay. Defensively, I'm not sure how he protects the rim, but I don't think you should care. I think that the value of Leonard Miller here as a young player who's already been successful at a professional level is just worth taking a crack at. They traded a couple of seconds to move into this spot with the Spurs and drafted Leonard Miller at 33, who I had 10th. I think there's still significant upside in Miller. Now, how much is he going to play on this team that has Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, uh, Kyle Anderson, um, re-signing Nas Reed today? I'm recording this a day in advance. We know NBA teams switch things up, and in three days' time, Towns maybe isn't on this team, or Gobert is dumped somewhere else. I don't know. I've got no idea. But there is no reason to me that Leonard Miller cannot be a future starting power forward in the NBA. I think he can. I think that it's just, and again, you're talking about early second round. It's a massive steal for the Wolves to come into this with very little in terms of um, draft capital and come out of it with a guy that. Let's say at the very least, like, I had him 10th. Yeah, is that aggressive? Sure. But at the very least, he's a top 20 sort of guy, I would have thought. NBA disagreed, but they also disagreed that Cam Whitmore wasn't a top you know, 19 player. He went at 20. So who knows? Who knows? They also agreed that Nikola Jokic wasn't a top 40 player in his draft. I'm not comparing. I'm not saying that's the same thing, but I just think that this uh, guy, Leonard Miller, fell too far. At 53, they chose Jalen Clark, who I had at 59. Excellent, excellent perimeter defender out of UCLA. Really big steal rate coming in, but dealing with an Achilles injury. I'm not sure how much we see him at all this year, but in terms of like the role that Austin Rivers, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, those sort of guys played, like less so at Jalen Noel, but same position, different role. Um, Clark can become, I think, a future rotation player. Is there any reason that he couldn't have, if he was healthy, but he's not, um, couldn't have had like a Herb Jones maybe type of impact as an elite perimeter defender with a wonky shot? Maybe. I love them getting him at 53 there and just seeing what happens. The two summer league guys I didn't have ranked, and that's Brandon, uh, Brendan Adams and Chris Bankston. Um, again, don't, not needing to pay attention to them uh, at this point. Let's go on to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They, um, they had uh, pick 12 and traded up to get pick 10 from the Dallas Mavericks, and in doing so, they absorbed the contract of Davis Bertans. And then at pick 10, they took a guy that I had at nine on my board, Kaysan Wallace. Um, I like it. Now, when it first happened, I went, what are they doing? Why are they getting a point guard? Why are they trading up to get a point guard? It doesn't make any sense to me. They've already got Josh Giddy, They've got Shea Goodis Alexander. What are they doing? And the more I went through on the live draft show, I came around on it. Huh. Giddy's big. Shea is big. Just, if is Wallace a future starter? Well, it won't be this year. I don't think so. But I think that, again, we talk about Kentucky guard upside. They already made that bet on Shea, and it worked out pretty well. I just think getting Kaysen with that excellent defense, offensive upside, decent size, decent vision, you can start him, Giddy, and Shea all together. 
And you can say there's only one ball, true. But Casey Wallace isn't a player that needs gigantic usage to succeed. Shea is, but Giddy isn't either. Just ball movement, smarts, driving, defense. I like it. As you're well aware, if you've listened to this show or watched this show and watched this channel before, I don't think that Lou Dort is a long-term NBA starter. I think he's going to be out of a starting job really soon. And I think that their future is Wallace, Shea, Giddy, Williams, and Holmgren, not Dort. So if you're going to replace Lou Dort, having the defense of Case and Wallace playing bigger with Giddy playing a little bit on the wing as well, I, I am around, coming around on this a lot. Didn't like it at the time because it didn't make sense. And I thought about it a little bit more and I do like Case. And I had him at nine. I really like Case and I had him ahead of Anthony Black personally. And I think this is good value for them. Their next pick was Keontae Johnson at number 50, a much older player, a chunky wide wing sort of guy who's got some shooting ability, just a smart player. And one of the guys I would compare Keontae Johnson to a lot in the pre-draft process was maybe he can work his way to be a Kenrich Williams on a team. Well, now he moves to the team that actually has Kenrich Williams. So maybe they view it the same way. That Keontae can be that guy that plays at the three, the four, small ball five, does little things, works on his shot, passes, defends, impacts winning. It's pick 50. They've had success with low picks. Aaron Wiggins, currently on this team at pick 55, has been a success story as well. So while I'm not a massively high guy on Keontae, I think that's okay value. A couple of interesting players in their uh, undrafted signings at uh, or one of their exhibit 10s is Caleb McConnell from Rutgers. I had him at 79, just one of the worst offensive players you will see, but one of the best off- uh, defensive guys. Just think, I know the name gives them similarity, but TJ McConnell. Just he's a worse offensive player than TJ, but he's an unbelievable defender. And sometimes for fantasy as well, that can get interesting because of that high steal rate. So Caleb McConnell's that. Adam Flagler from Baylor. I had him at 55. I thought he was a draftable player. They grab him with an exhibit 10. He's got a chance of maybe getting a two-way there and developing. Like some of their backup guards, I know they brought in Kaysen, but like I'm not a fan of Trey Mann as a as a player. And Flagler, I think, can be uh, an interesting shooting, ball-moving guard who's a third-point guard, maybe second-point guard. Other three summer league guys they've signed so far, Tanner Groves, Justice Suing, and Hunter Maldonado. Didn't have those guys ranked, and I don't think that there's a huge level of importance in them. Let's go to the Portland Trailblazers now. Jesus, God, Sterling. Yeah. Um, the guy that I had second on my board was Scoot Henderson. They got him at number three, and now we have the questions. What does this team do? It is an absolute no-brainer if you haven't worked out a trade to take Scoot Henderson there at, my, at, at that spot. Now, I don't know whether Scoot's going to be the second-best player in this draft class. I think he is at this time. Very, very easily, I think he is. But that doesn't mean that he works out that way, and I will continue at this point. I still will criticize Charlotte for passing up on Scoot, and in three years' time, that might look stupid or it might look brilliant. I don't know. Portland could not could not pass up on Scoot. I know that at the moment, all of their prospects and stars are in the backcourt. They're all the same sort of size and players. Not, well, not necessarily size, but the same position. So for a fit situation, yeah, it makes no sense. None whatsoever. But this team is bad. They've been bad for a while, and their current ceiling is not particularly high. So you just do it. Like Scoot Henderson, to me, would be a number one pick in many, many years. Getting him at three, you just have to do it. And whether Damian Lillard's going to cry about it or passively, aggressively complain about not getting a win now player, 
if no one was willing to pony up the value of a number one overall type prospect, which is what I think Scoot Henderson is, then the Blazers, yes, they do have some level of commitment to Damian, Damian Lillard, but the commitment and the, the loyalty they showed to him is the fact that his contract is going to pay him $60 million in three years' time when he's going to be worth nowhere near that. That is the point of the contract. That is the value there. They can't say, well, sorry, Dame, um, I know oh, you want to win. You want to get someone in now. It's They'd be derelict in their duty to the owner and to the fan base because in two years' time, Dame's getting paid 60. You can't build a team around that any good and you won't. it won't work. So you could have traded number three straight up and gotten someone who was, you know, let's say the same value as Jeremy Grant. I know he's already on the team. That's insane moving from a front office because you're just squandering the value of the best draft pick, maybe the best draft pick you will have in the next 20 years. So you've got to take Scoot. But now the question is there because Damien Lillard, Anthony Simons, Scoot Henderson, and Shaden Sharp are all there. And there are not enough minutes for these guys to play. Sure, maybe Sharp is big enough to play at the three. Ideally, though, you want him at the two. Somebody has to go, if not two of these guys. And Simons, there's almost no chance to me that that Anthony Simons is sticking around. I, I just I don't see how it works. Yes, Lillard and Scoot are both shorter guards. I think they can work together in time and... Sharp's a bit bigger, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, sort of a player. Oh, maybe more 6'6", six, six, as a shooting guard type of guy. I just don't see how they all can stay on this team. So how we project this team out for fantasy and guys like Scooter, I don't know until we figure out what's going on. Do they trade away Lillard? I'm not sure if they're going to get any value back in a in a package there. Like Even if you are Miami, like and he wants to go to Miami, what do you get? Tyler Hero? That solves nothing for Portland. So you add Hero and Simons and Scoot, and Sharp. It solves nothing at all. So what is it? Do you send him to Brooklyn and you get Mikael Bridges back? Well, the Nets won't do that because part of the reason that Dame would want to go to Brooklyn is to play with Mikael Bridges. So that wouldn't work either. So I don't know how you even get a package that's even worth doing it. So that's where there's so much confusion. Anyway, back to the actual draft. Huge W getting Scoot Henderson. Massive. I love him. I didn't love what they did at 23, though, where they took Chris Murray. Is it interesting that they sniped Sacramento at pick 24 when they could have got Keegan's brother? Yeah. I had Chris at 31 outside the first round. I just think he's a player. Just a guy that, hey, you want him to start and fill in and be okay? Sure. You want him to be your sixth or seventh man and play 22 minutes a night and do that for six, seven years? Sure. Like, But he's old. I'm not sure he's a big contributor to winning. I'm not sure he's a good shooter. I'm not sure he's a good passer. I'm not sure he's a good defender. I think he's just ugh, across the board. I think he's like worse than his brother, but he's like 70% Tobias Harris as a player. Like it's just a nothing burger as a player. And there were other guys on the board that would have made a lot more sense to me than Chris Murray. Yes, their forward depth has been bad for a while. They probably do bring back Jeremy Grant and maybe they play Sharp up at the three and there's Reddish and Stiebel and all these sort of guys. So Murray just moves into that mix. But I don't think we'll ever look back at this and say that Chris Murray is a great pick and he's his future long-term starter. I don't see that for him. I love what they did at 43, Rayon Rupert. I wasn't as high on Rupert as others were, but I still had him at 34. So getting him at 43, a forward-sized player with wing defense, as they've had some success in the past with guys like Al Farouk and Mo Harkless, you know, 
pairing with the shorter backcourt. Repair is not the same player, though. He's not as muscular as what a Harkless or even an Aminu is. But an interesting wing defensive prospect with some, perhaps, shooting upside. Got a little bit of time to develop him. Two years' time, he comes in. He's only 19. 21, he might be, a, be able to be a rotation player. I think there's more of a chance of repair being an impactful starter than there is Chris Murray. And then there are two Exhibit 10s that they've signed. Malachi Smith, who I had 96th, and Antoine Davis, who I had 114th. Not bad players. Okay to bring them in. They haven't got any two ways sorted yet either. Let's go to the Utah Jazz, who I think had one of the best drafts out of the entire league at number nine. They ended up with Taylor Hendricks, who I had fourth overall on my board, and I would have debated him or Asar to the Pistons at number five. Hendricks is a 6'9", 6'10", power forward who can shoot, who can defend on the perimeter, who can protect the rim, who's got some upside in terms of offensive creation. I'm not sure about passing. And really, he just will fill the Kelly Olenek role. They've already got Walker Kessler, obviously, an elite rim protector. Hendricks is a good rim protector too. They've got Lowry Markkinen, and there's no reason to me that Markkinen, Hendricks, and Kessler can't play together. I don't think Hendricks comes into this season as a starter. I think Kelly Olenek will still probably have that role, but I don't expect Olenek to be on this team long-term. And once Olenek is gone, Hendricks will start for most of the second half of the year at the very minimum. And in the future, he has your really high top 40 type fantasy production. I think he's a multi-time all-star upside player in the NBA as well. I am admittedly higher on Hendricks than other people were. Some people had him going 10 or 11, but I had him at four. And I could, I had him clearly in that top nine group of prospects and ahead of other guys who went ahead of him, like Jarris Walker. I think this is a great pick for the Jazz. At number 16, they did take Keontae George from Baylor. I had him at 24. Um... I'm not that big on Keontae. I think he took a lot on, I know, he took a lot of poor shots, bad contested uh, shot selection, and they didn't go in. But he is an interesting archetype they've had success with before, the smaller scoring guard like Donovan Mitchell. Very similar, well, maybe not as long a wingspan as Mitchell, but similar high to 6'4". I don't think he can be a lead guard necessarily. He might be a little bit small to be a shooting guard, and his shooting is not an elite level. I would have done something different at that point, Spot, obviously, I had him 24, and he went and ended up 16th. But after taking Taylor Hendricks, and some of the best guys on the board at that sp- stage were like Cam Whitmore and Leonard Miller. I wouldn't have taken Miller there for this team, but Cam Whitmore, I think, made a lot more sense than a Keontae George did. Maybe Whitmore's uh, medicals were just so bad, and the Jazz didn't want to take it. I'm okay with George. He does have upside as a high, um, uh, potential, uh, high potential recruit player coming out of high school, but some of the stuff that he showed me lent more towards Johnny Davis, James Booknight versus Donovan Mitchell. And that's a worry. But they came out and totally redeemed themselves. Because if they had taken Bryce Sensible at 16 and Keontae George at 28, I would have been Dutch ruddering them. I really like Bryce Sensible. Yeah, he's a little bit chunkier. He's six foot six, but he has an argument to be the best shooter in the draft. He shot 43%, I think it was, from three at Ohio State. He's a high-usage player like Keontae, but his shots went in. And I do think that he can scale back the role enough that it makes sense with this team. But also, Larry Markkinen's not a 35-usage player. Like, Sensibor could be a guy that starts. Maybe you know, they hope that George and Sensibor are their one and two of the future. I don't know how that really works with George at the one, but you know, Sexton's not the answer, I don't think. Yeah, Bryce is a guy who can have some interesting rebound numbers. Maybe we'll see what the passing, defense is a problem, knee issues, all that. Massive steal to me at 28 for Sensible. Absolutely love that. Their other stuff, eh, no second round picks. Their two-way Joey Hauser, I'm not excited about him. I think he had him ranked last out of every player I ranked. 
Exhibit 10 on Tavion Kinsey, who I had 100th. That's not bad. And then Summer League guys, Nick Ogenda, Ogenda? Um, Kihai Clark, don't know how to pronounce that guy's name. Uh, Keyshawn Justice and Ed Croswell don't have really much to say about those guys. That's the end of the Northwest Division. Let's look at the Pacific Division, and we'll start with the Golden State Warriors, who at pick 19, they took Brandon Pajemski from Santa Clara. I had Pajemski at number 15 on my board. Just one of the most um, beautiful-looking statistical translations coming out of college. Scoring, rebounding, three-point shooting, assists, steals, free throw shooting, free throw attempt rate, three-point attempt rate. Everything was excellent. Offensive bucks plus minus, defensive bucks plus minus. Everything was great. And he's probably not going to have an impact immediately with Chris Paul, Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson on this team, Moses Moody still around. But Pajemski is a really interesting longer-term dynasty uh, player for fantasy. We know that Clay and Steph and Chris are old. Yeah, varying degrees of old, but they're all old. And in three years' time, you would think that Pajemski has got a chance to be a starter and be a pretty interesting impact player. And at pick 19, a guy that he might not ever make an all-star team, he might not even get come close, but he's got some upside to do it, and he's got an ability to contribute in multiple areas. Now, I think he's a little, he's a little bit small. He's 6'4", 6'5". He's not totally short, but he is a little bit sort of um, slim and narrow. Uh, he's super confident. He can do stuff handling the point, playing off-ball as well, which will get him minutes immediately on this team to a degree. It might be 10 minutes or so, but there are a lot of guards there, but he'll, he'll have a crack somewhere. And then at 57, they traded back into the draft to take Trace Jackson Davis. Now, there were people who had Jackson Davis at insane positions on their board. Number four, I saw someone have him. Well, number two, actually. Some people having him in the 20s. I didn't buy that. But he was insanely productive in college. And we're going to talk about Pajemski having excellent fantasy translations. Jackson Davis probably translated in the top five in terms of just pure fantasy numbers coming across. Part of the reason that I'm not particularly high on him, I had him at 44, is he's old. He's 23. And... Those guys who really step up and start to dominate at that really advanced age level, the way that Jackson Davis did, when they are undersized, I am, am skeptical that that can translate to the NBA. Look, he put up good numbers for three years through college. I think he should have probably tried to come out after his sophomore year, but he was able to average almost three blocks a game, 11 rebounds, four assists, and 21 points this season. He doesn't shoot threes at all. That's a problem. Under 70% free throw shooter, that's a problem. He did block a lot of shots, but I'm not sure he's going to have that success at six foot nine in the NBA. So I think he's a guy that dominates college, but maybe doesn't bring that across to the NBA. Now, they've got perfect examples to learn from. Kavon Looney, Draymond Green. Smaller, undersized centers who make it work with smarts, and maybe Trace can do that. So I think it's a great situation for him to go to. He's going to get a guaranteed contract and not a two-way as well. And he does have actually really high fantasy upside strictly on translation. But the fact that it's such low draft capital, but more importantly, the fact that he's 23, and I'm not sure all those things translate across, very similar to, say, Jordan Bell or former Warrior legend, or even like a Brandon Clark, who had these big, big block numbers and defensive numbers in college as upperclassmen, and it didn't really translate across to the NBA. So I'm a little worried that Trace might fall into that grouping. The Exhibit 10s, Kendrick Davis, I had 92nd. So he was a guy I had ranked. Good, good pickup. And then I had Javon Johnson, Yuri Collins, Gabe Kelscher, and Adam Kunkel. It's a legendary name, Kunkel. Um, yeah, I didn't have those guys on my rank list, there, apart from Davis, who I had at 92. For the Clippers, a little bit of a surprise to me that they took Kobe Brown at number 30. I had him number 40, much like Jackson Davis, a guy that did beat up on kids because he was an older player at Missouri. 
He, I thought, was an interesting player as a second-round guy. I had him 40th, so I think early second would have been fine. This is a guy that put up, what do you average, 16 points per game, shot 46% from three, which it's got to be fake. I'll tell you why it's fake. He shot 21 the year before that, 25 the year before that, 25 the year before that. Maybe he improved. That is totally possible. But also maybe he just had a fluky run of shots. It was 100 three-point shots. That's not really enough to stabilize a number. But he had good steal numbers. He rebounded okay. But part of the appeal was just the excellent shooting from Kobe. He's like a 6'8 power forward. I don't think he can play the three at all in the NBA. I think he's more of a four. Um, he's big, strong. But yeah, I, I don't really see him as a future starter on this team. Yes, they do have some issues in terms of Covington, Morris, Kawhi, George. They're all injury prone and older. But I don't think that Brown's going to play a huge amount uh, early on. They also took another older player at 48, Jordan Miller, who I had 69th coming out of Miami. I'm not really sure what he does that's good. I think he's a solid wing-sized player, lefty. Maybe he can develop a shot, but you know, I just don't think he's going to be able to do a huge amount or, or produce huge stuff in the NBA. Then their Exhibit 10 was Xavier Castagnada, who I didn't have ranked on my board at all. Let's look at the Lakers, who I do really like what they did. At 17, they picked Jalen hood Shafino. Now, there were a couple of guys available at that point that I had ranked higher, but I had hood Shafino at 17. He's basically like the same size as D'Angelo Russell. Had some really, really bad shot selection stuff at Indiana and bad shooting percentages. And his fantasy numbers, like the opposite of Pajemski or Brown like and Jackson Davis, like they translated horribly. They just looked really bad. I think he didn't even translate to look to be a top 300 player even in 30 minutes a game. But he's got that size. He's got pretty good passing vision. He's a little older as a freshman. He just turned 20. But for what the Lakers need, I think it's a pretty good fit and good upside pick for them. At number 40, Maxwell Lewis slid. I had him at 29, so the end of the first round. I'm not really sure what his overall strength is. Is he a good shooter? Is he an above average shooter? Can he defend? Can he pass? Can he score? Can he just sort of do bits and pieces? I think it's sort of more the bits and pieces part of it. But when Max Lewis fell to 40, Considering some of the guys that went ahead of him, I think it's a no-brainer. You've got him and Max Christie on this team who sort of can work to develop to be maybe backup guards slash wings or even as a starter at some point in the future. Here with Troy Brown, you're holding one of those spots. Who knows? But their development of getting these later guys is really, really strong. Obviously, Austin Reeves is going to get paid this offseason. So I love what they did with Maxwell Lewis and Hood Shafino. And then their two ways, and even their Exhibit 10s, I really like as well. Demoy Hodge, I had 61. Um... Shooting guard out of Missouri, good, great steal rate coming out of college. That often translates well. And they have had, you should always look at the Miami undrafted players, but you should always look at the Lakers undrafted players. They've got a fantastic track record of these guys. So Demoy Hodge and Colin Castleton, who I had 58th, big man from Florida who also translated across really well for fantasy. 58th on my board, Castleton. Just two names if you are in Dynasty Leagues that you want to pay attention to. The fact that they translated both really well, Hodge and Castleton. The fact that they're on two ways and not just Exhibit 10s. And the fact that they joined the Lakers is something you should be really interested in. And I'm, I think they did a great job. And then the two Exhibit 10s, Damian Bohr, um, who was 98th, and Alex Fudge, also from Florida. I had 77th. So they just grabbed all ranked guys. Those Exhibit 10 guys will get a chance to make the roster. Otherwise, they'll end up in South Bay. I just think just extra, extra undrafted guys who all have a chance I think, to be NBA rotation players. Just another W for the Lakers scouting department. For the Suns, well, they didn't do a huge amount. They did have pick 52. There was some 
um, confusion on draft day where Shams was saying, no, that's going to the Wizards. It didn't. It went to stay with the King, uh, the Kings, with the Suns. And they picked Tumani Kamara from Dayton um, out of Belgium. I him 48th overall. An older prospect, but good wing-sized player who can defend a little bit, pass a little bit. They're going to need these players. And one of the guys that I always thought he compared well to was Tory Craig. And the Suns obviously have Tory Craig getting a second-round guy on a cheap contract that can maybe fill in and play some rotation minutes at some point during the season, which they're going to bloody need. Yeah, Kamara can at least do that. Maybe not this year, maybe the year after. Really solid enough, solid pick for them. They're at that spot. Um, fits what they need as well. There's summer league guys, Trey Jameson, uh, Marcus Carr, and then Grant Sherfield, who I had at 103. I didn't have those other two guys ranked, but I had Sherfield there. They're okay. They're, the Suns don't do huge amounts in terms of scouting. They often go into the year with 14 guys on the roster and no two ways, so... Just don't be surprised because they just don't care at all. With this current front office and uh, ownership group, they and even the past ownership group, they don't care about young players or developing guys at the back end of the bench. That's just not what they're about. The last team we look at is the Sacramento Kings. Um, actually, like I have some criticisms of what the Kings did, but overall, some interesting picks or some good picks. I didn't like the fact that they... And I think it's a little bit of PTSD here with them, is that they had picked 24... And they traded it away with the Sean Holmes for nothing. They just said, here, Dallas, take it. Because we want to clear cap space. Now, the last time the Kings did that, they ended up with an unprotected pick swap and another unprotected pick going to the Sixers so they could clear cap space to sign Rajon Rondo. And we all know how terribly that worked out. This is a different front office, but I'm still a little scarred from that from that uh, situation. Are you, you'd have to be unbelievable. And we'll wait. Because if they don't get anyone in free agency, then I will rip the shit out of them for doing this. But maybe they do. Maybe they bring Draymond Green. Maybe they bring in the future MVP, Kyle Kuzma, to be a starter next to Keegan Murray. Maybe they do that. And they needed to clear that cap space to do it. But they also have that record of firing that shot too early in the past, organizationally, not front office-wise, and it not working out. So we will see what that ends up doing. But in terms of what they did actually do, Colby Jones at 34, involved in one of the 10 million Boston Celtics trades. I like it. Much like Maxwell Lewis, Jones is a little bit of a, yeah, you're a little bit older as a prospect. You play at the two and the three, and you can sort of shoot, and you can pass a little bit, and you can defend a little bit, and you've taken some steps forward, but what's what, what are you good at? What's your NBA skill? I think your NBA skill is being good, and that's sometimes not really a recipe for success or elite upside, but it's a recipe for hanging around. He could probably play the two and the three. Maybe if, say, Terrence Davis doesn't return, he sits into a role there, backing up even Keegan Murray, um, backing up um, Darren Fox and playing alongside Malik Monk with some defensive size and you know, driving and cutting ability. He's, he's a good pick. I like trading in to get Colby Jones. I had him at 30. Good stuff. The other one I really like for them is Jalen Slauson, an older player, lower-level competition, playing at Furman. I had him 43. He went at 54 to the Kings. Now, we talk about their lack of forwards and wings, and they were starting Kaziok Parla last year. Yeah, Kaziok Parla and some other guy, Chinna Maniki. Like, seriously, bro? Like, you're starting these guys or playing them rotation minutes. I'm not saying that Jalen Slauson's going to be their starter or going to be a rotation guy, but this is a guy that put up amazing numbers at Furman. Huge sort of defense. Yes, lower-level competition. Did it um, with... Yeah, as an older player as well, he's 23. Well, he'd be tw- yeah, he'd be 24 uh, at the start of the year, so that's not great. 
but he averaged, what, 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks, seven rebounds, three assists, and shot 39% from three. Now, last year, he only shot 31% from three, so that's a bit of a concern, but he's been close to 80% from the line the last two seasons, so I think there is some shooting upside. He's not a high-usage player. He's just a weirdo guy that can pass, rebound, defend, protect the rim, shoot a little bit, and as a forward who's 6'7", yeah, I think it's perfect for him, and you get him at 54 I would have loved the, the Suns, as well as much as I like Kamara at the Suns of 52, I would have loved the Suns to take Slauson there. He's got an ability to turn into, let's say, like a, a, a worse passing Kyle Anderson. Is that sort of weirdo player who has got good size and just does shit that works. And I think that's sort of where Slauson fits. So I really love that selection of him. Their Exhibit 10 guy, Jake Stevens, I had 85th on my board. He had, without any bullshit here, the single best fantasy translation of anyone in my 116-player database. I translate everyone across in terms of looking at all their numbers. We you have factors on it that translate college across and minutes and all that sort of stuff. And then we, it's pace-adjusted. We do it per-possession-adjusted. Then I tra- try to translate into if this player jumped in as a rookie with these translated numbers, team context not you know paid any attention to, Yeah, how would they rank in fantasy? And Stevens ranked number one. His stats translated better, nothing age-related here, translated better than Victor Wembanyama's actually. How? How did he do that? And you'll say, well, this is crazy, Josh. Well, let me tell you what he did. He averaged 22 points a game. He shot 55 from the field, 41% from three, making over two threes a game. Oh, by the way, he's six foot 11. Um, he shot 82% from the line on almost six attempts per game. He averaged 10 rebounds, three and a half assists, a steal, and 2.2 blocks. Have you ever seen a nine-category player? Because that is what he was at Chattanooga. Now, it is Chattanooga. It's Chattanooga. He's 23 years old. It might not ever work in the NBA at all. But those numbers were elite. Elite. So he's got to be elite. Now, he's not even, he's on an Exhibit 10. He might end up playing for Stockton. He might get a two-way. But he could easily jump in and be like a backup center, third-string center ahead of Nemius Cater or they've got Trey Lyles there, and they've got rid of Rashawn Holmes. He's definitely a name that you want to pay attention to because if there is an opportunity here for Stevens and he comes out in Summer League and balls out, don't be surprised to see some stupid numbers from Jakey Stevens in Summer League. Just one of those guys that you got to watch because the translations were out of control. The other guy I really like, number one is his name, is Justin Mutz. Love the name. Excellent name. I did him 71 on my board, and he's only signed on the Summer League deal. He's someone to watch in Summer League. Interesting sort of wing player who's just got strength and tenacity that I think is useful on an NBA team. And the other one they brought into the Summer League is Dane Goodwin, who I didn't have ranked, and I don't think we need to worry about too much. And that will do it for me today, and that will do it for all of my draft recap shows. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are, are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.